We'll be in Colossians 1 today, Colossians 1, 21 through 23. It is, if you have the book, as we like to call it, it's page 1184. a New Living Translation. Okay. Uh, 1,184. Okay, if you would, uh, if you would pray with me before we begin. Oh, Father, I pray that this morning um, you will make yourself known. God, that all of us will hear um, and respond to you. God, the truth that you make clear over and over and over again in a scripture that um, does not change and has no variance to it. Um, God, that will hear it very clearly. God, I pray that that uh, our thoughts won't be jumbled. God, but you created the world in such a way, you created us in such a way um, to give glory to you. And I pray that we can do that with our understanding. That we can worship you. God, we really give you this time. I pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, if you'd stand with me as we read. Not only will help you concentrate, but also get the blood flowing. We're going to start in 18 and go through 23, which says, Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the first of all who will rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and by him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. This includes you, who were once so far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by our evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has brought you back as his friends. He has done this through his death on the cross in his own body. As a result, he has brought you into the very presence of God. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed by God to proclaim it. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. Okay, what we're gonna what we're gonna focus on for the majority of the time today is the the beginning um, of twenty three, which reads again: "You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it." What we're gonna talk about is this. This is our observation that we're gonna go from: that some who claim to be Christians are not because they do not persist in belief, but deny either or both the existence of God or His good revelation of salvation through Christ. 
What 23, part of it is persistent unbelief is not an option for the true Christian. But before we get into that, because that probably has your head spinning already, we're going to establish what, it, what the context is of this. It says you must continue to believe this truth. So what is this truth? And we get a quick synopsis of that in 21 through 22, which is this. You once were far away from God. Okay, first truth. All of us were once far away from God. Uh, as we've heard in the last two weeks, there was, a, there was a time when all of us were part of the enemy's camp, right? For all of us have sinned. That's, that's the first truth that's established. Second truth, he brought you back as his friend. This is called reconciliation. In NASB, it's the word reconciliation is used for this. And what this means is God actively sought you and renewed a relationship with you. And so reconciliation, it's doing something in your heart, in your mind, that is already in the heart and mind of God. Isn't that incredible? And so reconciliation isn't um, God having to have his mind changed about us, right? To, to suddenly start liking us. But reconciliation is the process where it says, he brings you back into friendship. So it's already in the heart and mind of God to reconcile a people to himself. We'll take questions at the end. He has done, third point, he has done this through his death on the cross in his own body. So he has done this, Right? In Isaiah 59, it talks about that the Lord looked and there was no one to intercede for him, so his own arm worked salvation for himself. Right? So he is doing this. Um, and the result of this is you are brought into the presence of the Lord and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. This is the truth. This is verses 21 and 22. I, I just read those. Okay. So the truth we're working with is, is you're far away then, get this, and he brought you back to be his friend. He has done this through his death on the cross. So the truth is, he did it, he did it, he did it, he did it. Okay? Again and again and again, that's it. That's the, that's the truth. Then all of a sudden, we get to 23, and, and it throws this curveball. It says, you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Okay, so this causes us, in our darkest, most troubling moments, to fall back on, I do it, I do it, I do it, I do it. Okay? And what causes us that? And I'll give you a few, um, a few thoughts that might throw us into a, a real turmoil when we hear this, you must continue. Right? I, the, the image that came into my mind when I was thinking of you must... Is this, it's like this pack of, of dogs pulling a sled across the Arctic tundra, right? Just like this bland, formless land. And there's just this promise of Eden somewhere down the line. And that's often what we hear when we hear, you must continue. It's like, great, we're just, we're trudging on towards heaven, right? So that's, that's often what we hear. Ignoring, you must believe this truth. What's this truth? He did it, he did it, he did it. Okay. So what causes us to revert back to, I do it, I do it, I do it? And here, here are some options. 
It might involve, uh, most often it involves experiences. We'll, we'll talk about both the experience that might cause us to, to uh, move in that direction in our belief, and we'll also talk about scriptures that might, when we're in those times of, of uh, questioning, might cause us to move there too. The first is, you might have known a friend who once walked closely with you and even encouraged you in the faith and now lives without any spiritual desire at all. Okay, that can cause you to be, to all of a sudden think, maybe, maybe we can completely lose the faith, right? Second, a Christian leader who despite once being a bold trumpeter of the faith has now turned to a form of grievous immorality or sin, right? And you can look at that and say, you know, it must be us doing it, us doing it, us doing it, if they can fall away like that. Um, the other ones involve ourselves. I used to be such a bold worshiper, and now I struggle with any desire to worship at all. I used to weep over my sin, and now I have very little conviction at all about sin in my life. I know something is wrong, but I do it anyway. Right? These are experiences that you might have had, you might have seen others have, that can cause you to, to wonder, if he did it, he did it, he did it, how do I get to this point where where it says, you must continue, and I don't feel like I can, I don't feel like I, I, I don't feel like others are doing it. What's going on here? Can we lose a faith that we once had so strongly? And this is, this is very serious. We, uh, I've, we've probably <laughs> wrestled with this ourselves, talked to people that are wrestling with it, um, Another one, I've heard it said God works all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And that he who began a good work is faithful to finish it. But I feel like my success and my failure are based upon my independent decision. The last one, despite the preaching of salvation by grace, it feels like if I do this, I am damned. And if I don't, I am accepted. Right, this if I do and I don't, this this real. So how do we how do we gain our footing again when the truth that we we're asked to hold and hold firmly to is that you were far away and he sought you. Right? By his own body in by his blood in his body he reconciled you back to himself. So I I will uh, we'll, we'll discuss two uh, things that, that we find ourselves in, two places we find ourselves in, before we jump into some scripture. Um, the, the first thing I want us to notice is that these questions don't come up in the honeymoon stage of your faith. Right? These, these come up during difficult times in our life. Um, spontaneous cries of uh, soul and turmoil is what they are. Um, for example, if, if a child's getting tucked into bed at night and they just had an amazing Saturday playing with their dad, right? They, just, they went to the zoo, they were hanging out, they loved it, and they're getting tucked into bed. The child would only ask if he wanted to know the obvious affirming answer if his dad cared for him, right? They, just had, a, they had an awesome day. Right? It, it wouldn't come to the child's mind to first say, okay, do you, do you care about me? Right? 
So oftentimes, it's the, the times we don't feel like we're being cared for that we come up with these things. Uh, the revealing question, uh, what could cause me to be in this state of doubt? Right, is a very important question that we should ask. What, what causes me to be in this place of doubt if the truth is that he has done it? Right? How can I all of a sudden be in this place where I feel like I have to do it? Um, a good example of this, and, and it goes along with this idea of a child playing with their father all Saturday and having a great time. Not all days are Saturdays, right? <laughs> we only have two days of the weekend, which we like using to play. And then the rest of the week, it's work, right? Where we'd rather be fishing. <laughs> but this is, this is often what it's like when, when it, we're not necessarily in this position in our relationship with God where... He's not looking down at us and being like, this is my son whom I loved. I'm just pleased with everything he's doing, right? Because oftentimes we're not doing a lot of things that are very pleasing in the sight of a holy God. Um, a good example of this is I have a nephew who uh, is about a year and nine months old, and my mom was telling me this story this week. of There's all these magnets on their fridge, and he, he came up this week, and he threw all the magnets off the fridge, right? Just absolutely obstinate. And... So my sister goes, Titus, you need to help me put these magnets back on the fridge. And he goes, nope. <laughs> All right? So she took him, took him downstairs, paddled his butt, brought him back up. Titus, you need to help me with this. Nope. One hour later, Dad got involved, right? He finally decided to put a magnet on the fridge and continue doing that, right? Not all days are Saturdays, right? Sometimes... We need a little pat on the butt. Right? Even more than that, we, we live in a world that needs a pat on the butt. Okay? Uh, in John 16.33, Jesus said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay? The promise of Scripture, if you entered Christianity thinking... Oh, great, it's going to be full of Saturdays. You're wrong. The Bible never promised that to you. Okay? So if, if you have a day where you're like, I'm single and it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> if, you have that, if you have that day, God didn't, God didn't promise you. <laughs> you wouldn't have that day, okay? Uh, the second place we might find ourselves in is a place of my own unfaithfulness, Right? If it was he who saw me in sin and he who rescued me, will it not also be he who will keep me? I said, yes, I see that he can do that, but I cannot deceive myself into thinking that I will always be faithful. Okay, and that's oftentimes where we find ourselves in, is this place where I understand that God is faithful, but I don't understand myself, right? I understand that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but I understand that I am not the same yesterday, and today, and forever. And so, I might, yesterday I've had this awesome day. We had this rap concert. The guys were just preaching the gospel. It was beautiful. I might wake up this morning, I'll be like, guys, I don't know, right? I just feel off and I just feel like punching people in the face, right? We have those days and, and you really, I know my own unfaithfulness, right? So how will I stay, stay in relationship to the Father, when maybe He's good at it, but I'm bad at it. There's a good story here. Um, 
Well, actually, I'll read really quick. Romans 8.32 says, Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't God, who gave us Christ, also give us everything? Okay? So God's good at giving good gifts. Right? If he gave us Christ, will he not also give us everything else? But there's a story that I once heard. Um, it was of two children. This day of telling children stories. Right? One was a little girl. She had candy to offer. And a little boy, he had marbles. And they made a deal that, that they would meet at a certain spot and the little girl would bring her best candy and the little boy would bring his best marble. Right? So they met at this certain spot and the little girl found her best candy and she brought it. And the little boy went back to his house, saw his marble collection and his best marble he realized that that last minute he wasn't willing to part with it. There was nothing, there was nothing in him that, that was really willing to give this marble that he loved so much. So he got his second best marble. And he brought it to that same spot where they were supposed to meet. And the little girl offered her best candy. And the little boy offered his second best marble. Late that night, as the girl was fast asleep in her own bed, in her own house, the little boy was still in turmoil, thinking this one thought, what if I got her second best candy? Okay? And that's often the turmoil that we're in, is because we, we see the scripture and we're like, God gave his best. He didn't send someone else, he sent his very own son. But I see myself in my Christian walk and I give Far less than I should. Right? So why should God be faithful to me? There's no reason when God gives His best that, that I should deserve that because I'm unfaithful. I realize on my best days I'm unfaithful. Does that make sense? So, so I think really why we often get caught up in this question of is, can I lose my salvation or not, is because we understand that if it was up to us, we would. Right? And there's verses that, um, the verses that call us to question it the most are the verses like Colossians that say, but you must continue to believe, or in the NASB it says, um, if you continue. These if verses um, Hebrews three thirteen through 15 says, You must warn each other every day as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God, see, if we are faithful to the end, trusting in God, just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share all that belongs to Christ. So if, if we do that, then we'll share in all that belongs to Christ. Um... Hebrews 6, 4 through 8. Pay attention to this one. This is, a, this is a real zinger. Okay? This is one that people often quote. For it is impossible to restore to repentance those who were once enlightened, who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the age to come, and who have turned away from God. It is impossible to bring such people to repentance again because they are nailing the Son of God to the cross again by rejecting him, holding him to public shame. 
When the ground soaks up the rain that falls on it and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has the blessing of God. But if a field bears thistles and thorns, it is useless. The, father, the farmer will condemn that field and burn it. Okay, and the last one. These are, these are verses that we would struggle with. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.11-13 says, This is a trustworthy statement. If we died with him... We will also live with him. If we endure, we will also remain with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And this verse is sometimes misinterpreted, and I have actually done it quite a bit of times in the past. When it says, when, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That, that's not saying, if we're faithless, he remains faithful to us. It means he remains faithful to himself, Right? So if we're a faithless people, him being faithful to himself is bringing a just judgment against those that are faithless. Right? God is just. God is a very just God. And that, that is, what, is what causes us to have fear and trembling. And the Bible talks about fear and trembling because we come to God and we realize that he is a holy, just, righteous God. And we come to know other than that. And if we limit that to say, okay, we can all just be saved by just doing whatever, right? No, that's not, that's not this truth that we hold firmly to. So what does it mean to be saved? And how do we understand these um, verses? Uh, the first point I'll call the pilgrim's progress. And we find that in eight uh, Romans 8, 28 through 32. And this is that, that first, uh, one of the verses we mentioned first. It says, and we know, you guys can find it if you'd like, Romans 8, 28 through 32. And we know that God causes everything t- to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He has purposes for them. For God knew his people in advance and chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn with many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And he gave them right standing with himself, and he promised them his glory. What can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since God did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us. Won't he who gave us Christ also give us everything? So the pilgrim's progress begins in the heart of God and does not begin in our own heart. And that, remember, that's what we saw in reconciliation, right? Reconciliation wasn't, when God reconciled us to himself, it wasn't us changing the heart of God, it was God changing our heart. And that's what we find here. God chose them to become like his son. And after he chose them, he called them. And after he called them, he gave them right standing. That word is justification. He justified them. Right? He made it so as if they'd never had sin in their life. Right? <clears throat> and then he promised them his glory. He made a promise to them. So it does. It begins with God. And it's this pilgrim progress. Right? Of the beginning in the heart of God to reconcile the people who he's chosen and then he calls, and then he justifies. And those that he justifies, he has promised to them 
his glory, right? So it begins with his calling of people. And that, that's the beginning of what it means to be saved, is to be called, and then chosen, and then justified, and then promised his glory, right? What this also means, is it means to be in relationship with Christ. This is, uh, this is interesting how a lot of people who are uh, claim to be Christians don't realize what this involves as a relationship with God, right? It doesn't just involve a relationship with doctrine that you can affirm and memorize and sing and cute ditties, right? It means actually having a relationship with the God of the universe. So, when it says, He brought you back as His friend, He reconciled you to be His friend, means that you being a Christian should have a relationship with God Himself. And He, de- he, he designed us for that. So, there's, there's two ideas that often are, are brought out with this idea of being once saved, always saved, is the, what they talk about. Okay, it's, it's either perseverance of the saints or eternal security. We as a church believe in perseverance of the saints and not in eternal security. And what I mean by this is, eternally secure, oftentimes people who hold that say, um, oh, you're sleeping around, oh, but you were saved once, whatever, you're going to be saved eventually. Right? We don't believe that. No, we believe that those who persevere to the end will be saved, right? Those who have called and have been chosen, right? And then have been justified and are going through this progression of faith. It doesn't start at this one point and then you do whatever and then boom, you're saved, right? No, it starts and then it's this progression towards heaven, right? It says without being sanctified, no one will see the Lord. What that sanctification is, is this this holiness-making process that happens in our lives, which involves those days where we, we are unfaithful, unfaithful, right? Not faithless, unfaithful. Where we, we rely so heavily on the faithfulness of God because our emotions can be wacko, right? I don't think I'm the only one, right? I think probably all of us, right? Amen? Amen? Okay. Our emotions can be crazy, and we need that. Um, we need the promise of a relationship with God, not simply God did something, we did something, we never really communicate. Right? No, we were brought back to be friends with God, right? If you're not a friend of God, you're not saved. Okay? You need to be in relationship with Him. Does a, a marriage doesn't work if you never communicate. We're meant to communicate with God. Um, we're not meant to live separately. John 15, which uh, Allison mentioned earlier, he says, If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Right? And that's, that's the truth of the gospel. Apart from him, you can do nothing. If you're relying upon yourself, you're not going to do it. We're meant to rely on him. Um, the fact of a relationship, we come to this relationship, this is the third point, and we are the ones in need. Right? Again, reconciliation. We are in need of Him. A song we sang last week, I need Thee, oh I need Thee, every hour I need Thee. Oh bless me, Thou my Savior, I come to Thee. Um, There are signs that some are not a friend of God or have found their every need to be met in Him. So, the Bible is really clear 
that there are those who claim to be Christians that are not. Okay? And we need to be really upfront about this. The, the Bible also um, is very clear what that will look like. Those who persist in sin. It doesn't mean you won't sin. Those who persist in it. Um, Galatians 5, 19-21 Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputers, dissension, factions, envying, drunkenness, crowsing, and things like these. Get this. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you practice and persist in the practicing of those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, is the testimony of the Bible. Um, those who... Um, and, and I guess at this point I want to say that we, we should not make the mistake of saying that obedience is not necessary. Right? When we are justified by faith, <laughs> we are justified to be brought into a relationship with God, a healthy relationship with God, which we are obeying his good commands, right? If you love me, you will keep my commands. It's not to stifle the child, but to water it, and so it will grow healthy, right? That's what the commands of God are for. It's for your health and your good. Okay, the third is faith must be of greater substance than personal subjective feeling. Um... Faith must be of us, for us of a different metal than, um, than something that's so subjective that it's compared to us um, of maybe if it, if it only involves a beautiful experience, right? That's not faith, if it's simply a beautiful experience. Um, the fact of what Jesus did on the cross must be greater than our own emotions, and I'll tell you this because it will, it will change over time. Um, our emotion at one moment might be, I am so thankful for what he did. And the next moment might be, I really, really want to go do this heinous thing. Right? Okay, so the, the fact of what he did must be greater. And I'll look with me at 2 Timothy 1.12. This is a verse you all should memorize and hold. It says, For I know, this is faith right here, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Our faith is not in our ability to be faithful. Our ability is I've trusted him who is able to keep what I've entrusted to him. And that must be more powerful than our own emotions. Uh, the fact is that there are those that admire, admire the gospel, but have not yet actually put their trust in its saving power. And that involves, I believe, um, and we'll look at, at Hebrews um, the, we read the beginning of Hebrews 6, and we'll read the end of it, because I believe that's what it's talking about in Hebrews 6. There are many that admire it, have tasted, it says. Many that look at it. There are many um, who 
say, well, Jesus was just a really, a really amazing man, the most amazing man that ever lived, right? But he's not God, and he wasn't able to do what people claim he did, but at, at saving a soul. He was just, he was really awesome. He was very righteous. The Bible claims a lot more than that. John six twenty six through 30 makes a clear distinction. But you do not believe because you are not a part of my flock. My sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them away from me for my Father has given them to me and he, was, and he is more powerful than anyone else. So no one can take them from me. The Father and I are one. Right, so people that are outside, they can admire what's happening on the inside. But there can be a clear distinction, right? All of us, save not save, we all have times in our lives where the grass is greener on the other side, right? That's part of our emotions, right? And so there, there's people looking in on maybe the community of the church. They're like, I really like the cheesecake Letitia makes, so I wish I was part of you know? You know, something they could, they could admire. Maybe it's, it's I, I really, I see the joy that some of them have, and I just, that's amazing. Like, I, I wish I had that. Um, I wish, right? I mean, regardless of who someone is, there's so many um, prayers people throw up spontaneously without even, without even uh, thinking that they're going to pray. They just do it, right? Because they, they want someone to... They, they want someone to save them, right? Because we all have these moments when we can't. So we can admire it. But in Hebrews 6, 9 through 12, it says, Dear friends, remember, this was talking about those that, um, that uh, tasted, but were still filled with unbelief. It says, the imagery is really important, what it says. It says, it was like ground that the rain fell upon, but nothing came up, Right? And then following that says, Dear friends, even though you were talking like this, we really don't believe that it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, which come with salvation. Right? So the salvation wasn't a sign of what was entailed in those earlier. For God is not unfair. He will not forget how hard you worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other Christians as you did. Our great desire is that you will keep right on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faithful patience. This is perseverance of the saints. That you will keep right on loving others as long as life lasts. Right? That would be a pattern of your life. Not that you, um, by some innate goodness, have the ability to uh, rejuvenate yourself and keep yourself faithful. No. No, but because Christ, who by his body, by his blood, in his body on the cross, reconciled you to himself, that is what makes you able to do that. It is something um, more than what we can maintain by our own desires. Faith is a work of God, and faith is awakened by grace. 
It is a gift, and this is something that you cannot boast about yourself because it is a gift of God. And that's, that's what Danny read earlier at the beginning of our time. Um, we, uh, I'll skip some. I know we're, we're going kind of long. So <laughs> there's three things I want to I wanna address really quick before we end. You're, you're going to come to today in three different positions. One might be those who are outside of the faith. Maybe you've never even looked in. You might come as a person who, uh, who has been in the church, but you have doubts about your salvation for one reason or the other. Or you might come as those who are enjoying your salvation very much. Right? Um, okay, so the, I'll, I'll just three really quick, because this is important. I want you guys to leave with answers to questions, not just, not just more questions. So the first... Uh, to those that are, are outside, have never even considered being saved, the first is, come. Um, this book, the Bible, gives us license to go in the world and preach the good news to all. Okay? And so the call is going out. Um, the, the truth that God wants to reconcile people to himself, bring them into faith, and renew them in a relationship with him. Okay? That's the license of this book. You have it in your hand. Read it. Okay? And then come. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So if you're in that place, come. Okay? The second is for those that, that maybe have wrestled with, they've, they've maybe been in the church, but they're wrestling with their faith. Am I saved? Am I not? Right now, I have maybe no desire, but it's a claim I made. Where am I at? For those... Um, uh, an old theologian had a really good example of, he says, the fact that we hunger shows that we are part of a race that repairs itself by eating. Okay? It's not that we are guaranteed food because we hunger, but that we need food. So being in a church might have Help that taste for you. But the call really is the same for you as the first person to come, right? If you have the desire, come. If you're hungry and you're thirsty, come. So don't delay outside. Um, maybe if you're in this spot where you are in turmoil, just come, Right? Um, you might find in coming that the faith that you had will, will be only strengthened by that. Or you might find that the new faith that you've never had before uh, will satisfy you and your longings for eternity. Uh, the third is if you're enjoying your salvation right now. Um, in 2 Peter 1, 8-9, it says, You love Him even though you have never seen Him. Though you do not see Him now, you trust Him. And even now, you are happy with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Your reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your souls. So it really is the case of some, you have that joy right now, and you're just, you're moving forward in that. Even though you've not seen Him, you love Him, and you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And I'll leave you with this doxology in Jude, the very end of it. It says, And now... All glory to God, who is able to keep you from stumbling, 
And who will now bring you into his glorious presence, innocent of sin and with great joy? All glory to him who alone is God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, glory, majesty, power, and authority belong to him in the beginning, now, and forevermore. Amen. Now to, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Okay, to him be glory forever and ever. Are you able to keep yourself from stumbling? I don't believe you are. I believe experience will tell you otherwise. But to him who is able, go to him, and you'll find that he is all that you need and more than you need. Um, With that, I will close in prayer and then we'll worship together. Father, thank you that you have shown yourself as being all that we need. Um, God, I do believe that the Old and New Testament story are there to relate to us um, something that we can experience. Um, The truth that is timeless and unchanging, even though we find in our our own hearts, um, whether it's our physical, physical makeup, or even in our spiritual pursuits, God, that we are inconsistent people. But God, we pray that, that you will uh, thrill some people here today, if not all, God, with your beautiful consistency and your offer of grace. God, we love you and we pray this in your name. Amen.